Well, hey, one more sort of announcement piece here before we get to our conversation and lamentations. We wrap up today part two of this three-part wisdom conversation. Before all of that, though, I want to just give a quick reminder of our shift in group life. For a long time, we've been doing small groups, groups of about six to 12 people meeting in homes all over the place here in Davis and Woodland. Uh, but we're shifting that from that kind of personal setting into the social setting uh, from small groups to what we're calling mid-sized communities. That shift is happening right now and we are going to be launching two mid-sized communities here in April post-Easter. So I just want to get the word out there or kind of put that back into the front of your mind. There's going to be uh, emails, signups, more information about all of this coming to you in the, in the next couple of days and weeks. I just want to say uh, this is a great time. If you have not currently been plugged into community here at Discovery, this is a great time to, to jump in, to check this out, to be a part of this new thing that we're doing on the ground level and to see where it goes together with us as we move into a new adventure in community and discipleship and life as a church. So mid-sized communities are going to be getting started here in a couple of weeks. Again, be looking for emails and signups and all that information that will be rolling out here very soon. All right, I, I know we just prayed, but I want to pray again for our time in Scripture uh, as we wrap up this second part of our wisdom conversation. Heavenly Father, we ask now that you would quiet our hearts, that, that you would calm the, the noise the sort of running conversation that oftentimes the tapes that are playing in our, our heads, God, that you would allow us to be fully here in this moment, even digitally, God, that we'd be fully here and present so that we can be sensitive to your spirit, moving, speaking, inviting us, challenging us, whatever that is that we need this morning to hear or sense or remember from you, God, would we be open to receiving that now? God, thank you uh, for your relentless activity in the world and in our lives, even when we don't see it or notice it, the assurance that you are with us in times where things are going well and especially in times where things are not going so well, God, this reminder even in that place, you are with us. We pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Lamentations. Chapters 4 and 5 today as we wrap up this book. I want to read from chapter 4 to get us started. And then we'll hit a couple different sections throughout these final two chapters as we come in for a landing here. All right, so Lamentations 4 verses 16 and 17 says this. The Lord himself has scattered them. The Lord himself has scattered them. He no longer watches over them. The priests are shown no honor. The elders no favor. Moreover, our eyes failed. We looked in vain for help. From our towers, we watched for a nation that could not save us. Remember, the book of Lamentations is about this incredible, tragic moment in the story of the people of Israel, God's chosen people, the southern kingdom 
This is in the kingdom era of Israel. They'd split into north and south. The southern kingdom, sort of the last remnant, if you will, of the nation of Israel, conquered by Babylon and carted off into exile. And the book of Lamentations is them processing this national grief. Now, as we've made our way through the wisdom conversation, we've been talking about this three-stage sort of cycle of spiritual development, um, stages of growth in our spiritual development, uh, orientation, disorientation, reorientation. The dictionary definition of the word disorientation is the condition of having lost one's sense of direction. Have you ever been there? Have you ever lost that sense of direction? I grew up here in California, but we lived in Boston for seven years. And the whole time that we lived there, I felt like I never got to that place of intuitively <clears throat> knowing where we were and what direction we were headed. Okay, I never got to that place of just sort of knowing, oh yeah, north is there, south is there. And the reason for this is because for me, the ocean was always on the wrong side. Like that reality of the ocean being in a different place meant that for seven years, I had this sort of underlying sense of disorientation, not always sure where I was. When you are disoriented, you don't know north from south, up from down. Your mental maps, the, the mental maps that used to work for you don't serve you anymore. You need new maps. Now, the book of Lamentations again, brings us into this experience of disorientation that the people of Israel, God's chosen people, are moving through. As I just said, conquered by this foreign empire called Babylon. Many of them taken off into exile in Babylon. Their kingdom is gone. Jerusalem, their city, their, their beautiful city that they loved has been destroyed. The temple where they worshiped burned to the ground. The phrase that stands out to me from those two verses we just read in chapter four is looking in vain for help. That panic that sets in when you're looking around for someone to, to help you out, for some hand to grab onto only to realize it's not there. No help is coming. This is disorientation. Now, over the past two weeks, we've seen a couple important foundational things about this little Old Testament book. We've seen that Lamentations is a gift in many ways, right? The gift of words for those who are grieving, right? That, that experience of having someone say something and you go, oh yes, that's what I've been going through. That gives voice to my situation, even if our situation is very, very different. There is a profound human connection that comes through the shared experience of grief. And so Lamentations gives us the gift of words to name that experience. We've also seen that Lamentations is this invitation to authenticity. There's, there's no need to pretend, no need to put on your happy church face and, and act like everything is okay. Some of the things that the author of Lamentations says might make us uncomfortable. It might even be like, oh my gosh, can you say that? But it's there. It's there. It's in the Bible because God wants us. God wants 
all of us. The good, the bad, the ugly. And there's a, a part of that that might be a little bit terrifying. There's also a part of that that's really good news, that we can bring all of ourselves to God. So it's a gift. It's an invitation to be authentic, to bring our full selves to our God. And then today, as we wrap up this part of our wisdom journey, we are going to look a little bit more at this idea of disorientation, about faith development, about waiting and prayer and Holy Saturday. And then we're going to tie all of this back to wisdom. Now, our big idea for this conversation, not just lamentations, but this whole wisdom conversation has been twofold. One, we wanted to introduce you to some of the wisdom tradition in Scripture. We're not hitting every book, but three books in particular, Proverbs, Lamentations, which sometimes is not included in wisdom literature, especially in the Protestant tradition, but in the, in the Jewish tradition, it's very much a part of the, the writings, the wisdom literature in the Old Testament. Proverbs, Lamentations, and then where we will go next is to the book of Ecclesiastes. So part of it was wanting to introduce some of these books to us. The other part of it, though, is again, talking a little bit more about this idea, this concept of stages of spiritual development. Now, there are a lot of different models out there in the world that, that sort of frame this for us. But whatever model you look at, there's a, a general understanding that if you live long enough, if you follow Jesus long enough, you will move through different stages in your faith. And it's a natural part of what it means to be a faithful person. Now, we're using one of the more simple models. It's a three-stage process of, as I said before, orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. So Proverbs, where we begin, gives us good insight into the stage of orientation. It's a stage of clarity, of starting out in a direction, pursuing God, pursuing wisdom, pursuing the abundant life that God offers. And while Proverbs is challenging in a lot of ways, it's also very comforting in its assurance that if you do these things, if you pursue these things, for the most part, life will go well for you. Again, there's great clarity and freedom in that. Lamentations gives us good insight into the stage of disorientation, right? This stage where we move into an awareness, oh my goodness, something is changing, a shift is taking place, something is ending and another thing is beginning, but right now we're in that in-between moment, that in-between stage. In disorientation, our relationship with God is characterized by vulnerability, by frustration, by doubt, by fear, this feeling of being lost, of wanting answers. We've seen all of that over and over again in the book of Lamentations. Disorientation occurs when the clarity of orientation is gone. Things have become a lot murkier. We don't know what's north and what's south. We need new maps. We can enter into this stage in a lot of different ways, some of them very dramatic, like the events of the Babylonian conquer and exile. Some of them, though, far more subtle than that. Sometimes we enter disorientation simply because of the passage of time. Sometimes, again, it's a, it's a tragic moment. 
Sometimes it's a pandemic. Sometimes it's a, a relationship or a conversation that opens us up to new questions. Oh, what about this? Other times it's an experience, a, a transition in our circumstances. We lose a job. We move to a new place. We get a promotion. We have a kid. Sometimes we, we sort of force our way into this. I, I need to figure this thing out. Other times disorientation just kind of comes for us. Now, lamentations. It chronicles the emotional experience, right? The emotional processing of a national tragedy, a communal grief. And again, our circumstances may be quite different. The point of moving through Lamentations has not been to say, oh, look, we've been in a pandemic. Uh, Israel got taken into Babylon, Babylon in exile. And so like our situations are the same. This has never been about equating our experience, more about pursuing resonance. Again, the words that give voice to the thing that we've been feeling. So I think it's important to say that and then also to not write off, even though our circumstances are very different, to not write off the reality that our circumstances maybe have been hard. Lamentations is a very in-your-face disorientation moment. But here's the thing, not all uh, disorientation moments are tragic and sad. Sometimes disorientation is, is joyful. Sometimes it's full of new discoveries. Oh, wow, did you know this? I didn't know this. I, I, there's this whole new thing that I can, I can find out. And, and it is kind of blowing up maybe my categories or my boxes, but it's very exciting. So sometimes it can be joyful. Most often, though, it is quite difficult. <laughs> it is quite difficult. And honestly, this is where a lot of church communities blow it. Because as people enter this stage, it can be perceived as weakness, as your faith isn't very strong, as just, you know, kind of pull it together and get over it. And many faith communities, clarity is the sign of a wise, mature person. It's the person who has the answers, right? Who doesn't have any doubts, who's, who, who, who is certain this is the way that it's supposed to go and this is how it works. That person is often revered and rewarded. They must know something. They, they're pretty certain. And, and so what's uh, a little bit disheartening is that church culture can actually undermine the spiritual development process by not allowing people, not giving people permission to go through disorientation. And yet, this is a normal stage, again, of following Jesus, of being faithful to God. It's a normal stage in our faith journey. And if we do move through it, there's a whole new beautiful thing on the other side of this. And so sometimes we stunt people's growth by kind of forcing them to stay in the orientation stage, not allowing them the time and the space to move through some of these things. A couple of examples from Scripture, Abraham and Sarah, in their old age, get this incredible promise from God, right? They move to a new place. They're expecting uh, descendants, kids, even though they're, they're well past the age of, of being able to have a family. Um, God makes all these promises to them. And then there's 25 years of waiting, right? 25 years of like, okay, God, are you going to come through on this thing 
that you said. And they do a lot of things wrong. They make a lot of mistakes along the way that those mistakes oftentimes complicate their situation. But when the time comes, after that incredible period of waiting for God to come through, God does come through. They are ready on the other side of that. They are ready to receive the gift that is Isaac. Imagine a 25-year period of disorientation. David is anointed king of Israel. And yet, Saul is still the king. So Saul, the first king of Israel, David, the second one, but they're kind of existing together at the same time. Saul spends years hunting David down, trying to kill him, because that's what you do when there's someone else who wants your throne. David has this very long season in the wilderness, a long disorientation trying to stay alive, wondering, God, what did you ask me to do here? Why, why is this happening? Why is this taking so long? Israel had thought they'd made it. An established nation, beautiful capital city, incredible temple to worship at, and it is all taken away. And they're left with these huge questions. Who are we now? What do we do next? Is it still possible to worship Yahweh? Is it still possible that we could be God's people? Is there any hope for us? Disorientation. Chapter 5 begins like this. Remember, Lord, what has happened to us. Remember what has happened to us. Look and see our disgrace. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers. Our homes, the foreigners, we have become fatherless. Our mothers are widows. Disorientation. And so once again, we turn to the question, what does this have to do with wisdom? <laughs> Where is the wisdom in Lamentations? And sure, there's some level of wisdom in some of the things that we've named already, expressing our grief, um, growing in authenticity, these sorts of things. But there's a whole other element to this that, that we need to spend a moment with here. When everything falls apart, it hurts for sure. But there's also within that an opportunity to loosen our attachments. To loosen our attachment to the status quo our attachment to our illusion of control. Disorientation helps us let go of the past and desire only God. In this process, again, painful as it is, in this process we are invited to a new understanding of God and His presence with us. In disorientation, there is a great potential for transformation. Great potential to become more like Jesus. And so there is a wisdom that comes through embracing this process, uh, moving through this stage of development. There's great wisdom in letting go of the extra stuff, letting go of our temples and pursuing only God. Wisdom in grieving and not avoiding it or stuffing it or numbing it. There's wisdom in asking, what is this trying to teach me? 
letting the disorientation moment become your teacher. I wanted to share a little bit about what this last year has been like for me because it's definitely been a disorientation for me. And I know a lot of, uh, a lot of pastors who have quit or who are going to quit in the near future because um, it's been a hard year on church leaders. I'm not going to quit, by the way. I, I feel uh, good about being here and uh, continuing to lead and pastor you guys. And I thank you for that. But it's been a very strange year. I have at times felt a lot more like a YouTube personality than a pastor. I've spent way too many hours researching cameras and troubleshooting tech issues. Many Saturday nights here in the downtown center alone, desperately hoping that the digital gathering would upload in time. This is just a total side note, but there was one... Uh, for most of the year, YouTube allowed premieres to happen on the hour, right? So 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, or our normal 10 o'clock time. Well, for some reason, they changed it at one point in the fall to the, the, fifth, the quarter hours, the 15s and the 45s. And so I was like, okay, well, what do we do now? Do we broadcast at 9.45 or 10.15? This is going to throw people off. We've been 10 o'clock for such a long time. Um, so I, I spent quite a bit of time researching, are there any workarounds for this? And I discovered that there is a time zone in New Zealand, Chatham, New Zealand, where they are on the 45s. So what, what we had to do is schedule the digital premiere for Monday morning at 6.45 a.m. in Chatham, New Zealand, <laughs> so that our broadcast would happen at 10 o'clock in the morning here on the west coast of California. Uh, so many of these just bizarre little things that have added up over the course of the year. And I'm sure in your own situations with your family, your job, there's been a lot of these kinds of things. There's actually a term for this now, surprise fatigue. <laughs> surprise fatigue. So many things, so many little things have popped up that we've had to change our routine on and we are exhausted by all of that. And then, of course, there's the much deeper things. I, I think it's a grace that no one in our church has died. But many of you know people who have. People in your family or in your extended circles who have lost their life to COVID. Some of you have family members that you are estranged from right now that you can't talk to because of political divisions. Uh, we've seen people move away this year because you know, economically, it wasn't working out for them um, or their academic program just changed or whatever the circumstances are. They've had to move away from our community. There have been many weeks during this pandemic, especially early on, where I thought, man, I don't know that we're going to make it out of this. This might, this might be it. I've prayed more and more desperately than at any other moment in my life this year has been a disorientation. I like, I mean, I guess I don't really like, but I appreciate the way that Lamentations ends. The end of chapter 5, starting in verse 19, You, Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures from generation to generation. That sounds great, right? Like, you, Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures. But then why do you always forget us? Why do you forsake us for so long? 
Restore us to yourself, Lord, that we may return. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. What an amazing prayer. A prayer that, again, gives voice to the human experience. God, you're in control, but wow, I don't like what's happening. God, you are sovereign, but it really doesn't feel like you are. Why are you doing things this way? Have you forgotten us? God, please come through. If you don't come through, we are in trouble. I've prayed something very close to that many times throughout this year. Disorientation. Now, today in the church calendar is Palm Sunday, right? Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter. Typically, it has this joyful tone to it, people remembering, celebrating Jesus' arrival into Jerusalem. But given our year and just where we're at in this conversation, I wanted to fast forward from Palm Sunday to Holy Saturday. Some of you may not be familiar with this idea of Holy Saturday. There's Good Friday, right, where we remember the death of Jesus on the cross. And then, of course, there's Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, where we remember and celebrate He did not stay dead, right? Jesus came out of that grave, conquering our sin, overcoming death through the power of his resurrection. But in between Good Friday and Easter Sunday is Holy Saturday. Holy Saturday, a day where Jesus' disciples are in a deep disorientation. Now, Jesus had been uh, up front about how the story was going to end, but I don't think they, the disciples ever believed that that would actually happen or that it would go down this way for sure. And so they're left with these massive questions. What just happened? How is this possible? What do we do now? Are we in trouble? Are we going to get it now that Jesus is gone? Holy Saturday is about waiting. It is about questioning. It is about not knowing how this thing is going to work out. And wisdom, wisdom grows in the soil of waiting. Patience, Galatians 5 says, is a fruit of the Spirit. Patience is a fruit. It is a sign of wisdom as well. We've said this many times over the past couple of years, but it's worth saying again. Faith is not certainty. It's not certainty. There may be some certainty that comes from a life of faith, and that's great, but it is not certainty. Faith is trust. It's not purely intellectual. It is relational. It is about who you are in relationship with. Disorientation, as troubling, as difficult, uh, as uh, scary as it might be at times, it is this invitation to a deeper relationship, a, gr- <clears throat> a greater level of trust in God. And what I would call a patient trust in our good God. God, I don't know what you're doing. I, I don't know what's going on in our world. I don't understand the things that are happening around me, but I know you. I know you, and I know you are good. And so I am going to trust you, even if this feels terrible. Even if I'm 
wildly uncertain about the outcome, even if I'm hurting, even though I'm confused, God, I will trust you. A ruthless trust in our good God. As we get ready for communion, just want to ask you a couple questions. Are you in a disorientation moment? And I think like grief, it's important to name this, to be able to say, you know what, I think that's where, I'm, that's where I am. To, to be able to say, you know what, this year, yeah, it, it has disoriented me in so many different ways. Uh, or whatever the circumstances might be. Being able to say and identify, this is where I am, right? <clears throat> in a way, it's an orienting moment to be able to say I'm in disorientation, to kind of put your finger on the map, that's where I am. So do you need to name that? Second question would be, what are you hoping for? What are you waiting for? In this season of Lent, as we prepare for Easter, part of it is about the waiting and the anticipation, right? In the bigger picture, what are you waiting for, longing for, hoping for? And then maybe the most important question is, who do you trust? Who do you trust? Do you trust the God who goes to the cross, who lays his life down, the God who allows himself to take on all the pain and suffering, who allows himself to die at the hands of his creatures in order to overcome that sin, that separation, and that death through his resurrection so that we can be in relationship with him. Who do you trust? Communion is a reminder of all these things, right? A reminder of this story that God has come to us in the person of Jesus to rescue us, to save us, to restore us to relationship with Him. The good news that we can trust and live in a trusting relationship with this good God. So wherever you might be this morning, I'd encourage you to grab elements, cracker and juice, bread and wine, coffee and toast, whatever you have in front of you this morning. I'm going to read uh, from 1 Corinthians, and then as we sing this last song, you can take communion when you're ready. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given things, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. When you're ready, take and eat the body and blood of Christ.